Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up. It's time for another edition of AEW Unrestricted. We are the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. It's Tony Schiavone along with... Aubrey Edwards. What's up, Tony? What's up, Aubrey? How you been? I'm okay. I'm in Orlando, traveling around with my podcast equipment again, so you can sit with your lazy ass at home in your bat cave. Yeah, with my dog. Just want to remind you how much I love you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I always ask you how you are, but I see you every week, so I should know by now how you are. I give you a big hug at work. It's good. Yeah, there you go. We are, we're very excited about having Pat Buck with us. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing great. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, uh, Pat is uh, head trainer at Creative Pro Wrestling Academy, wrestling pro founder, Jedi mind trick master in wrestling, a suit aficionado, but more importantly, he is an AEW coach and behind the scenes, one of the guys that makes things happen. Pat, it's great to have you here. Uh, we just had Sanjay on the podcast. We thought that you uh, might do suits better than he does. Yeah, I think he learned from me. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he admitted that his wife helps him with his suits. What's your story? How did you master the art of of suits backstage? I think it goes further back than suits backstage. I mean, my whole life, I went to like prep school. So from first till 12th grade, I was wearing a shirt and tie. Got it. So it was kind of just used to me when I first started wrestling. This sounds incredibly fanboyish. I don't want to say I want to make fun of this, but I remember reading in early on, right around when I was starting to wrestle, that, you know, Flair would show up to every show dressed up. And I think it was in his book. Right. And I used to go to indie shows with a dress shirt and slacks and the tie and just kind of always stuck with it. I kind of feel comfortable with it. And then in my later years, you know, people start getting married when you start getting a little bit older. And I never wanted to wear the same suit to a wedding. And then when I got a job that required suits, I went all in. I don't have many vices. And I'm I'm upsetting my wife with the amount of shirts and ties. And this is my thing. This is my vice. So I became a suit guy. I mean, at least they're write-offs, right? So you got that going for you. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's, it's a little obnoxious. Well, I'm always looking for a deal. I don't go custom. I don't go <laughs> too above my means. I'm hunting on every Poshmark and... Not discount, but I'm on the hunt for a good deal. I never go retail, so that's my that's my story. You're waiting for waiting for Men's Warehouse to have one of those great two for one deals. You never know what you find. You can find a lot. Actually, the first story is I was dead broke. You know, even ten years into wrestling, and one of my best friends was getting married, and I kind of freaked out because at that time I didn't really have any suits or I didn't have any money whatsoever, and I'm like, oh gosh, I need to go get a suit, and I went to the Salvation Army. Because I just had this theory, okay, I'm a Queens kid, Long Island. 
I bet you there's a lot of posh people out there that just give their suits away. And I found this killer DKNY suit for 30 bucks. And from there, and of course, when I wore it, oh, that suit, is that custom? And I'm like, oh, okay, so you can pull this off. And that, that's where it all starts. <laughs> so now I, I don't have to go there anymore, but that's legitimately where the suit obsession starts. Dang. I want to follow up on this, Aubrey, because I know you have the next question. Uh, since Pat and Sanji arrived, I've tried to up my game. Uh, in other words, I used, I used to just wear the Tommy Bahama stuff backstage, but now I try to get into my tie of uh, getting ready for TV as soon as I get there. Because I, I don't know. I, I just think it's good. I just, I just like it backstage. It shows that you are professional. I don't know why. Well, it's funny coming here. I almost felt like people are like, what are you doing? Right. You don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> it's, I don't want to say discouraged, but I'm just like, no, like this is kind of, I feel comfortable in this. Like I would feel really weird trying to give direction or get certain sort of job done if I'm, if I'm wearing a, a tank top or a, even a polo shirt feels a little mild for me. Maybe at AW Dark when it's very, very hot, but like it's just something that I think QT said. He's like, he's like, you don't have to do this anymore. Like, stop. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> you, you're not going to stop me. So me and Sanjay have committed to the suits and that's the way it's going to be. I, uh, I've stepped up my game too. Instead of showing <laughs> up to work in workout gear, I actually wear like street clothes. Okay. So maybe not to the full level, but I have gone one level up. So thank you to you and Sanjay for oh. kind of encouraging a little bit of caring in that regard. Heck yeah, <laughs> I like it. Great. There we go. All right. Enough about suits. Uh, as we learned about the beginning of suits, but I want to learn about the beginning of AEW because you've only been with us for, for a couple months now. How did, how did that whole thing start? So it's been about three months now. And I feel since AEW's inception that I've had this like unofficial working relationship with AEW with Tony. It's always been interesting because I never really thought after chasing wrestling so long, not having the TV contract sort of success as a performer, that I would be completely working for myself the rest of my career. And I was fine with that because I started in 2001, about 2011 comes and I've been wrestling pretty much full time everywhere and anywhere. But Never really got that opportunity to, to really cement something. So I said, screw this, and I'm going to put on a show and become a promoter. And luckily, that worked out and opened my schools. And I just figured, oh, that's what I'd be doing the rest of my life. And I was fine with that. If I want to wrestle somebody, I'll book them and wrestle them. I was basically a kind of a, you know, some people said a, a poor man's Jerry Lawler of New York. Like, it's just, this is my area. <laughs> I'm running 30 to 50 events a year in the New York, New Jersey area. I got my schools. But then my students started getting really noticed a lot, primarily and only by AEW. Even when I worked at my former place, it was the act of getting independent wrestling talent seen and getting them into the system. They had different requirements. But Tony and I, I guess, kind of value talent in a similar light. You saw the acclaims, Chris Statlander, you know, now I'm just I'm bragging, Bear Bronson and even Swarm Mark Sterling. So I'm like, there's seven of my kids, six or seven of my kids over there. Yeah, we call them kids that I'd see what they're doing. And I think that's awesome. But I never had a, an official talk or dare I say with Tony, with, of course, all tons of people I've worked with. I've worked with most of the roster here in some capacity before, whether it be Independence or WWE or somewhere. And Sanjay, obviously, we worked with not just at WWE together. We, we had a long-standing relationship before that promoting shows together, working together, producing shows together, then 
I've never really said the story, but I submitted my release on a Monday morning post uh, WrestleMania before Raw, and I was on the plane ride back. And a uh, certain talent texted me, hey, Tony would like to speak with you on Wednesday. So I guess you can say it was a short 12 hours, or maybe a little bit longer, maybe 24 hours. I can't do the math in my head of going from one place to another, which is pretty wild, but it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I think it's one of the great stories that was not that did not leak out that you you were in WrestleMania and then all of a sudden on Wednesday here you are here <laughs> and I thought for sure everybody would know about it and no one knew about it. Isn't it amazing? Amazing because in certain capacities, I, I assume the moment I walk in, okay, it's going to be out there. Right. And I also thought like, you know, and I think people would assume that, you know, when I uh, quit WWE, I didn't have this lined up. Did I hope in my heart that I'd be here? For sure. Sure. Did I hope that Tony would recognize this and maybe there's a thing there? But I took a gamble on myself. And, you know, I think that by just what, what happened and, and being here, like it, it didn't get out for quite a while. So I was kind of shocked. And that, that goes to show you the different kind of respect people have in the locker room. I'm like, it was actually kind of funny. Even the extras that were booked that day, some of them were booked for that I booked for WrestleMania and the shows like a week ago. And they walked in there like, what the heck is this? <laughs> Credit to our locker room for having that respect. It got out a couple weeks later, but that, that shocked me. And I thought that was a cool thing. Yeah, we got, we have so many stooges backstage in in the wrestling There's business. So many in the in the wrestling. <laughs> I'm saying in the wrestling business that I thought for sure, and then I didn't see it till after a week later mm-hmm. that Pat Buck was working with us. So I thought it was an amazing story, Aubrey. It was, it was, and you know, I feel like it's one of those things that's inevitable. I feel like half our roster is either Chikara or Create a Pro. So might as well just. <laughs> it, it it was only inevitable Pat was going to show up eventually. So. Absolutely crazy to think that like, oh, yeah, just 24 hours later. Hey, you're with us now. It's great. Right. You've got one of those great minds. And having had the chance to work with you a little bit so far, I'm like, man, we have benefited so much from having Pat here. So I'm very happy that you made the jump. I appreciate that. So, yeah, it was one of those things like I I really throughout the whole process, especially when I knew I was going to leave WWE and I knew for, for a while. And it was really because of schedule, like primarily, but like, I always wanted to, I wanted to be here, but there was no official thing. But however, there was randomly, I said, you know what? I emailed Tony. I didn't hear back, but I was just like, Hey, I just want to let you know that AW has actually done more for me in terms of my reputation in pro wrestling than actually WWE has. And that's weird to say because they did take care of me for, for three years and, and it was a, I look back and as a positive experience, but the fact of the talent are here that came, that I produced or trained, whatever you want to say, just meant the world to me. So this is home. I feel like this is what it meant to be. And when this was early on, AEW was starting, this was the place that there were talks early on. And it was like right around the time that I took the job with WWE. It just wasn't things were just so much things were happening here that I ended up, you know, going to WWE, but I'm so glad that that happened because now I feel like my toolbox or my skill set is extremely sharpened in terms of production and structure and a lot of things like that. Now I get to be here with everybody and just do my best to try to make this a little bit of a better place. We are talking with Pat Buck. You're listening to AEW Unrestricted. We got a lot more to talk about his background with Creative Pro and a great story 
that you won't want to miss from the road when we continue on Unrestricted. This is Aubrey Antonia at AEW Unrestricted. We are talking to Pat Buck, recent hire at AEW, one of the awesome coaches we have backstage. He's he's a trainer, he's a promoter, he's a Jedi, he's a father, he's he's a ginger, he's all of these wonderful things. And we now get to benefit from his awesomeness. We've obviously talked a little bit about your involvement with Creta Pro. Let's let's talk about that because you had said, you know, you're wrestling for about 10 years and then started up Creative Pro in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to go around opening the school and how did Brian Myers become involved with all that? Interesting enough, and I try to, everything I coach, and everything that I, I like to teach, it comes from failure. And I go, don't make these mistakes. So if I look back, this is what I would have done instead. I started in 2001. With that being said, I feel like 2001, all those next years are probably the worst time in professional wrestler. WCW was going away. ECW was essentially going away. I wasn't exactly familiar with the independent scene. And I don't even think the independent scene at that time was something that it is today. Once I started getting training and bouncing around, my first huge opportunity came was I was invited to WWE's developmental system, OVW, by Jim Cornette. It was one of those things where I had a tryout camp. And he's like, look, at the time, I think I was like 18 or 19. He's like, hey. Uh, no promises, but I think you have something. You work on your body, you train here, you know, you figure out what you're doing. I'll use you on TV to put over guys, essentially, to just whatever. And who knows? Something could happen. And that's all I needed to hear. And I moved immediately to Louisville. So I thought I'd be this contracted TV superstar. Again, WWE was really the only game in town in 2005-ish, at least in my opinion. And I was obsessed with OVW because it was seven days a week of wrestling. It's like the only territory that, to me, the only territory that existed. I loved independence, but I felt like I didn't fit in from 2001 to 2005. I've always been kind of a, I don't want to say classical, but a traditional wrestler. And I remember I just felt like there was a time that I was on an independent show in New Jersey. And I was being heckled for wearing trunks because I was the only person on the show wearing trunks. And I went, what's going on here? Do I not fit in? It just felt strange to me. And two days, two shows a week wasn't enough for me. So I got the invite to OVW. A lot of times, if you got in that position, you work your butt off, you get your body right, you train with all the the contract talent, and here's your opportunity. Well, things changed and different people stepped in. So what was could have been one year ended up being four and a half years, and I'm still unemployed, I'm bouncing going to college in the morning. I'm taking out student loans to pay for my training, be a wrestler, but I'm still doing seven days a week of wrestling. And I went, man, like, am I a loser? Like, like, man, what, like, can someone just, can <laughs> someone just tell me that I'm horrible so I can just go home? But it was always like, hey, no, you're doing everything right, doing everything right. And that's a big thing for wrestlers. Like, oh, I keep hearing I'm doing everything right. Maybe you are. It's just timing. It's just something. And then the deal with WWE got plucked and went to Tampa. And I went, okay, I'll move home. I'll, I'll go back to New York. I'll, I'll figure out something. And my friends in the system and friends in the company were like, we think you should move to Tampa. I'm like, I don't know, guys. Like, no, 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 it's a brand new system. Maybe you could help out down there. And I did. So I followed the WWE train to FCW. Mm-hmm. And I basically joined a class that you had to actually pay for. Because this was a new crop of people that I didn't know. I knew Dr. Tom Pritchard very well since I started, but... There was a Steve Kern and a Norman Smiley and wow. guys I've never met before. Sure. So I paid for this beginner program and just to make 
a little bit of a short of a story. By the end of this program, I was helping coach the program with Norman and with that. And they were like, we'd like you to be in, in here. And they, they thought more, those guys, Norman, Steve, Dr. Tom, in that short year that I was there, tried to get me hired. And the whole pitch was, you know, hey, even if you don't think Pat's a star, you need him in the system to work with the people that you do think are stars. It still fall on deaf ears. It wasn't happening. Then an idea to relate to you, Aubrey, Pat could be a referee, but he's a little bit too muscular. Can he trim down? Yeah. Okay. Uh, dropped 25 pounds. I was about to do a couple tryouts as a referee. And then that changed to, you're going to go out there and wrestle a couple dark matches and that's it. And then, so I just gave up and I said, that's it. I moved back home. Uh, started working indies again, and I was frustrated again because now I have all this incredible training. I've worked with so many people, so many brilliant minds, like at that time, Cornette and Heyman and, and the whole OVW system and FCW with Dusty and full-time wrestler for this whole amount of time. I can't get the opponents I want to get. Nobody knows who I am because I never had TV. So why would you care about me? Why would you feature me? So I said, you know what? I'm either going to go back to school to, to I'm going to go to medical school or I'm going to put on one show. And I put on one show and put everything I had into it. And luckily I had 900 people there. Wow. And I went, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was, I had a partner at the time, but we, we booked some pretty big acts and we figured out the finances. And I learned a lot from him at the time because I was a wrestler guy. I knew how to book a show. I knew to do all these things. I've done it before, but I didn't know things about it renting a venue and insurances, chair rentals and equipment. Where do we like, so I had to learn all that stuff, but then, you know, one show, then we did another one. Said, okay. It's a little bit more. And then this third show, I fell flat on my face and lost a ton of money. <laughs> then uh, I realized looking at it, cause I've always kind of been a numbers guy and I think and, and a budget guy. And I think me and TK kind of relate on that capacity. Cause then I look at something, I go, okay, what, what would, solve this i need to get my own equipment and i'd always want to have a school just to work out in but also if i train my own guys i can replenish this roster and costs will go down that's where it spawned from so it was a business kind of thing i thought it'd be fun and also as far as like i said i'm not the most most wrestling fans even probably listening don't know who i am maybe they've read a little things but mainstream nobody but i've spent more time in wrestling training academies and dojos probably than any person I've ever met wrestling. And, and it's scary. So I felt pretty confident. Let me try a school. I opened up the school in the Rahway Rec Center, where it's a place where Jersey All-Pro used to do shows. There was a five-year break. Then I stepped in. And then first I had 10 students. And my friends tried to talk me out of it. They're like, look, man, I think you're going to fail. We think you'd be great at it. But why would anyone want to train with you? You know, there's Hall of Famers that have schools. There's who's Pat Buck. Those Those aren't very good friends. <laughs> well, it's funny because they normally are so encouraging. And I went, I just got to try. And word of mouth spread. And the reason why I think a lot of it, and it's a selfish reason, but like my school, I got to stay in shape all the time because I'm wrestling the kids. I'm wrestling my, my students and literally in the ring. No, no, no. This trail is wrong. Do this. Here's what you do here. And word of mouth spread. And people started seeing how talented people were after three months. And they're at another school for five years and they can't get through a five minute match so the school started growing 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 and then brian myers is a lifelong friend of mine we kind of broke in together i was a little before him 
and he was on re i don't know if he's like an, on an injury or he just wasn't on the road and he drove from new york to my school he's like man i love your school it's fun it's this that the other and we came from the same school the nywc which was in long island at the time and i was like hey do you want to Let's just open one. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm doing well here. I went to a school in Long Island. That's where we're from, but why not? And we opened the second school. So now, you know, when I'm off the road with AEW, I'm trying to spend one night at my New Jersey school and one night at my New York school training, coaching, while I feel bad that my wife is taking care of our baby. But it's like, hey, I, I want to keep these businesses afloat. So that's how it kind of tied together with, with Brian and they say don't work with your friends, and I think that's nonsense because we've been. That's a bullshit. Yeah, it's been wonderful having him as a partner and seeing what we've created together at Creator Pro. You mentioned your friend uh, in past. Were you talking about Kevin Matthews earlier? Yes, because he keeps Creator Pro running, right? When you're doing other things, right? He does. He's actually that's the thing too. Is that again working with your friends? Now that I've been able to, you know, when I started to, man, I, I physically can't be here anymore. Uh, Kevin Matthews is my booker man, my my person that kind of steps in and does everything day to day in terms of that. And we have, I think, for WrestlePro, I want to say this year we're probably going to have about twenty five events for Creator Pro. Maybe there's about twelve or so. So while I'm not there, at least my between the two promotions, we have close to forty events. So I've been very happy that I can lean on a crew and taught him how to promote book do all these different things while i'm there if i'm around if i'm not if i'm off the road of course i'll be there but he keeps everything afloat and he keeps everything going he was just on tv this week accompanied with dan lambert and scorpio sky on AEW programming so he does a great job you know working with pat closely like i do and it's been tremendous to be honest with you being able to work with you and sanjay and and qt and ace and all you guys i uh, we were in savannah and uh, Pat said, uh, I can't find my rental car. It's been stolen. What? Yes, that's what he said. And we went, no. Really, from the, from the hotel? Yes, it's been stolen. And I can't find my keys. So I'm thinking, well, he left his keys in his car and someone stole it. He called the police. You're painting me in a bad light. I can't wait to, <laughs> I, I can't wait to counter this, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. You call the police. The police gets involved. And you can pick up the story from there. Sure. So a little bit <laughs> before I'm painted as an absolute idiot. <laughs> You're not an absolute. <laughs> There's a little more to this. Okay. I land the night before and not breaking the fourth wall. I'm with uh, Dan Hauser was on my flight. Okay. And I was like, hey, buddy, hop in the car. Let's go. And I remember we pull up to the hotel. You get the parking ticket that allows you to get into the garage. We park the car. And I distinctly remember having the keys in my hand. Okay. I pop the trunk. We get our bags out, close the trunk. Now, to be perfectly honest, I don't remember having the keys after that. But okay. uh, let's just see what happens. Right. We check in, et cetera, et cetera. Like Tony said, the next day I wake up, ah, where's the rental key? Can't find it, can't find it, can't find it. Man, did I leave the keys in the car? I go down the car, and it's not there. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I parked in a different spot. Maybe I'm not remembering things. I asked Dan Owls, and he's like, no, 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 you. this is where you parked. So, yeah. The hotel manager came out. We walked through every single parking spot on the premise where it could possibly be. And I'm like, look, the car is gone. And she's like, well, you should keep looking for the key. I'm like, we're way past that. The car is not here. And that's that. So I do call the police. We follow a report, et cetera. And finally, 
I keep trying to figure this out. And I called the police later and they're like, no, we're reporting it stolen. And of course, they're like, did you leave the keys in the car? And I go, no, I definitely didn't. I'm like, I think I might have put them on the hotel desk or fell out of my pocket. But I don't know if I left the keys in the car. I don't know. So I'm freaking out, too, because like, am I on the hook for this? You know, this is pretty bad. Right. And then yesterday, I'm just kind of sitting around. And I have this thought that just kind of hits me. I went, a new theory happened. Because also in that parking lot, I remember Christopher Daniels. And I can say this because it's actually unrelated. He had the same exact rental car type that I had. It was a blue Dodge Challenger. Right. And I knew that was his car because I was trying to, I was like, is this my car? But I could see his agreement. I saw his name and I was like, okay, that's Chris's car. But then I thought, wait a minute, this is what happened. Somebody there, and we still don't know, could be one of the boys, Mm -hmm. could be someone stay at that hotel, had the same exact blue Dodge Challenger as me, Mm -hmm. came out, thought that where I parked was where they parked. So now they get into the car. I left the keys. I left it unlocked. I think the keys might have fell into the trunk or I just probably left them in the console. Mm-hmm. Now they can start the car because my keys are in the car and they're driving around that runner car thinking it's their own. And I know this because the car was returned to the airport yesterday at three o'clock. <laughs> so now, and I kind of hope it's one of the boys now. It wasn't Chris because Chris yeah. said, no, 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 I'm fine. But there was a couple blue challengers at the airport. So now somebody has returned my car and I thank them for it. But unfortunately, their car is still at the hotel in Savannah. Oh, my God. They think their car is in, but they're being charged every day for this car. They are. And they, and they don't realize it. And I, I, being the good Samaritan that I am, I called up and I tried to explain this to the car, car rental on their, on their 800 number and then their local thing. And they, yeah. after 10 minutes, they still couldn't understand what I was trying to tell them. So I tapped out. So they're on their own. I'm sorry. It wasn't sure. I might have messed up by dropping the keys in the trunk or leaving them there. But yeah, you took my car because you thought it was your car and it's returned. I'm off the hook. Well, we all on the text chain yesterday for was for sure. I thought for sure it was Christopher Daniels. And we were just laughing. <laughs> we were we, we're thinking, man, this is a great story. So I'm glad it's not the fallen angel. Uh, well, it'd have been a better story if he would have been him. Ah. Oh, God, that's tremendous, man. That's the first time I've ever heard that. And and I've traveled a lot. Wow. Right. This is, but it's very pro wrestling. It's very pro wrestling. Very. Very, very pro wrestling. All right. <laughs> Coming up next on AW Unrestricted, we have some more with Pat Buck, including questions from fans. Stay with us. AW Unrestricted continues with our buddy Pat Buck, who works behind the scenes in a very, very high level capacity. If you've seen some of the great matches on AW, Rest assured, Pat Buck has had a hand in that, major hand in that. Pat, uh, on Instagram, great pick of you is Han Solo. Your wife is Princess Leia. When did your fandom start uh, with uh, Star Wars? I'm going to say this. My mother, she always told me this, that she was seven months pregnant waiting online to go see Return of the Jedi Ah, with me. Yeah. So I'm going to say that it started before I was even here. It, it's just always been... You know, it's weird, Tony, seeing all the stuff in your background. I'm like, oh, my God, me and Tony have the same exact interests. Like, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. All your stuff, like, it, that's right up my alley. The, all the Star Wars and Marvel, you know, something that I felt like growing up, I had to kind of hide because I was a big athlete. And, but, like, that was, to me at that time, or mainstream, like, wasn't cool to admit all that stuff. But I was right. going home with the comic books and, you know, watching Lord of the Rings and watching Star Wars and, and 
Game of Thrones, all that stuff is just so up my alley. But Star Wars, Star Wars and Batman are number one for me. Um, I go back and forth depending on on all those you know different things. But yeah, so my fandoms always as as long as I've been a fan of wrestling and stuff. And that's I want to bury Sanjay Dutt here. Yeah, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> With it's so funny, and even QT, I'll throw him in that because that's kind of part of our uh, little team is that it's so funny because I've been with them before and they're like, ah, they don't like any of that stuff. And I just don't understand as a pro wrestling person, that's both all of us dedicated our lives to this, how they don't see the correlation between storytelling or not like all that stuff. It's just so funny to me. But Tony, I'm glad you appreciate that. So the, that was a big thing for my wedding. Like we had, you know, our wedding cake topper was I love you, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it kind of fits my, my wife and I's dynamic. Just that the sarcasm, and, I, and I've heard your ringtone before, Tony. Yeah, with "I love you, I know." So it's always been been there, and you know, I'm just uh, my one thing is, and I haven't started yet. I'm just really hoping my son likes Star Wars or likes Batman or likes all this stuff. I can't push it on him, you know. Right? Yeah, for sure. It's just always been that way. I had a big Batman poster fall down yesterday. By <laughs> the way, some of those uh, command strips do not work with canvas. Okay. And I got a big hole there, and I was trying to put it up before we got on the air, but I just can't muster the ladder around. Oh, my gosh. We have the same exact lights. Yeah, I got a lightsaber on the wall. I got a bunch of Batman stuff around here. Have you ever been to the uh, the Star Wars uh, Disney World theme park? Not yet. I was planning on this weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. My one thing is I want to build a lightsaber with my son. Aww. Right. That's, that's cool. But I guess it's five years old enough. So I'm like, okay, it's a little too early. Okay, yeah. I built one with my grandson. Uh, it's it's a great experience. What color did you go? Uh, we went with green. Ooh. That'd be up my alley too. Yeah. Can you build right. a Sith? Can you build a, an evil one though? Yes, you can. You can. Okay. Yeah. That'd be more fun. Yeah. Okay. I'm not necessarily a big comic book person. I can't appreciate it, but I've got two Batman guys here and I don't know if this is a valid question. Okay. There's the comic books and then there's the movies. Like who's the better Batman actor? <laughs> so I've thought about this many times. I've fallen asleep trying to figure out this question. I have the perfect. I think I have the perfect answer. Okay. It can't be narrowed down to who's the best Batman. You have to put two categories: who's the best Batman and who's the best Bruce Wayne. Ah. Oh. Because there's no answer for both. So to me, I was a big fan of. I think the best Batman. I was more of a fan of Michael Keaton for best bruce wayne i think christian bale right yeah i think christian bale lost a lot of credibility just because of the voice with the, the way he talked as batman Harvey right. Dent. Yeah. <laughs> which could have been just solved easily by having a voice modulator that was part of the gadgetry that's what i would have done who am i to say that so that's the way i kind of i separate the two i don't know if either of you agree or disagree i don't know if this has been a topic before uh, my favorite batman was still christian bale same yeah, and you know, I I didn't mind uh, Michael Keaton as uh, as Bruce Wayne because he was kind of goofy. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway, so that was me. But I also like, you know, I wasn't really a fan of the bat the, the latest Batman movie, but I didn't mind Pattinson's take on it at all. Yeah, no, I didn't either. So I, I like different interpretation. I'm waiting to see. I would love to see older Bruce Wayne the way you know some like Batman Beyond and certain things like that. I just think. Different takes or different things like that, but that's always my got to separate who was the best Bruce Wayne and who was best Batman, and that was that's just where I go with that. Did you did you have you watched Titans on DC on uh, yes on HBO Max? Mm-hmm. They, they had obviously had an older Bruce Wayne in that. Yes, the, act, the actor from Game of Thrones. I forget his name. Yeah, I forget his name too. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. That seemed like a 
aesthetically kind of took me out of it because it felt so a little bit too old for that time period. But the right. presentation I thought was pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a great show if you're into comic books. Do you go to uh, one more question? We'll get to the fan questions. You you go to uh, New York Comic Con. Do you get to go to any Comic Cons? I've been there before, and it's a little overwhelming for me. Wow. I, I just like having the the movies at home, and, and the, I have no problem going and checking out all this stuff, but I've never really been much into any of the memorabilia. Like I like the posters and stuff like that. It's more, I think, the the creative part of it and all the different films and stories and things like that are, are more up my alley rather than meeting the individual people or going to things like that. And I like New York Comic Con was just so wild that, but I'm always open to it. I'm just happy. Like I said, I'm happy that this is cool now. Mm-hmm. When go growing up, it was like you had to hide your comic book. Or yeah, right. Even with wrestling, it wasn't exactly the coolest thing when you're in third grade and you're, you know, every every Ric Flair victory for a championship and you're reading the magazines, but you don't want your friends to know about it. Right. It's, it's just funny how all that stuff is embraced. And that's great. All right. We're going to rein it in, you nerds. Uh, we got hell? fan questions. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm calling you nerds, but, you know. Okay, I'm go just, ahead. My fandom's elsewhere. Anyway, uh, we got a question from All Elite Matt on Twitter. Who from your wrestling school would you like to see appear on AEW who hasn't yet already? You know, when I hear appear, you know, a lot of them have done AEW Dark. Mm-hmm. But when I hear that, I kind of look at it in, in terms of who could be the next person that could follow in the paths of the Acclaim, the MJF, Statlander, and that whole crew. Uh, there, uh, there's a guy named Bobby Wayward who's one of my first original students. I feel like he just needs like a little bit of a break, and he's an incredible talker and worker. He's someone I migrate to. I think that there's a couple others, and I feel like if I name too too many, that and there's actually two or three coming down for the next AW Dark tapings. But I think they just have to present themselves in a certain way. Um, Aaron Rourke has been out there in the independence really dedicating changes his physique an incredible personality you know i actually think him and sunny kiss would be a tremendous tag team in my opinion there's an opportunity there hmm. he's someone that i think it, it depends what the role calls for i never would have thought or not never it was a smart mark sterling was training as a wrestler and i think he probably had the idea at the time but i'm like man i see you as a, as a manager and managers are being accepted again because they went away for a long time period. Why not? And my gosh, look at what he's amazing. <laughs> look at what he's been able to accomplish right. with by doing so. It's the greatest thing ever for him. Um, there's also people there that like that have been independent wrestling for a long time. That when they come to my school, I just put a fresh coat of paint on them. Hey, how about this? Two people that come to mind, and of course I'm biased. I think my booking partner, KM, who's six foot five, worked Impact Wrestling. I've worked with him a couple of times. Yeah, he's great. I think he'd be a solid addition to this roster. And the last one who I think would be tremendous is Falaba. He is the Filipino sumo wrestler. He was struggling for a while, didn't have an identity. And I'm like, hey, I don't want to insult you, but do you like Yokozuna? He's like, I love Yokozuna. I go, what about this presentation? And that's what got him in the door at a couple companies. And I think the AEW crowd would go crazy for Falaba, this Filipino sumo wrestler. You know, while I didn't train him from scratch, I, I certainly kind of revamped him to give him something to go off of. I'd love to see them all here. 
At Ryan, Coach wants to know, what's the number one thing or lesson that you tell your students before they start training? I'm going to boil it down to two things because I'm selfish. Okay. The first is, I had this talk actually this week, driving back from Rochester, stuck in traffic, but I, I went right to my school. I forgot the key to my school. Maybe this is like a running gag with me, losing the keys. And But I said, you know what, guys? Nice day out. We're going to go on a 10-minute run right now. Let's do it. And I ran with them. And it was a struggle. And I sat there and I said, guys, I go, how many? And I, I tell this to anyone signing up. I go, have you played a sport before? Ever? Because you can't just get off the couch and do this. You need to have some sort of physical background. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you got to be Mr. or Mrs. Olympia, but you need to, you can't just go in the ring and start doing that. Your body's going to fail on you. You need some sort of aerobic activity. And some of them, I've had too many people sign up, say that they have, and then they're doing three rolls and they're puking or they're so blown up and they quit the first day. That's the first thing to the second ones. The ones that stay around, they go, hey, I'm stealing this from uh, Cabanas at this office. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Like it's, you're not going to be a TV star overnight. I try to teach from failure. I'm like, it took me 11 years in wrestling just to basically break even. And it was in a role that I never really thought I'd be in. So you have to be open-minded and you could get success pretty early, but even pretty early is years and years and years and just a marathon, not a sprint. So you got to stay with it. Damn. I love it. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is a good question. Uh, from Go Professional Wrestling, what is the best production tip that you can give for an indie promotion to use? That's so funny. Go Pro Professional, they're the ones yeah. that... <laughs> <laughs> they're looking for tips here. Yeah, they are. Well, no, what's funny is on the events I have, I have a production team. They're called Go Pro Wrestling, and they do all these events for Fight TV. They're fantastic people, and I think anybody, and I'll plug them, they're just... They're grassroots that invest in their own equipment, learn pro, pro wrestling. When I'm home and running these events on, on weekends, I'll put the headset on and basically share, showing them, okay, this is where we call for an instant replay. Okay, this is what I need to tell the referee. Hey, what about this camera shot? Find their faces. So, of course, it's, it's for my own place, but I've been able to trickle down knowledge from this place. So when they go to another promotion, they can, they can do all that stuff. It's funny that they're asking the question when they're like the only production. But but it's also, to me, I tell all the wrestlers, if you're booked on a wrestling show, I don't know if this relates to this question, but I feel like it does. Don't just focus on your match. Like, take it all in. Watch things. See if you can sit in by commentary. See if you can just pick up a different thing. Because who knows? Maybe you could have learn enough about production. It'll make your matches better. It'll make things like that. So I don't have a tip for a production team. But I think they asked that so I could plug them, and they're awesome. So that's great. Pat, appreciate your time, buddy. I, I want to say that's great working with you. We are a better company with you with us. I can tell you that right now. 100%. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. No, it's been, on, it's been awesome, and it's just beginning, and it's great to get to work. And Tony, you were like one of the first people, if not the first I didn't know, approached me. I'm like, oh, crap, it's because I was a WCW mark. I'm like, there's Shivani. And <laughs> I'll say this. One of my, I know he's going to listen to this. Yeah. One of my college friends is obsessed with Tony Shivani. Obsessed with him. <laughs> so when he hears I work with him weekly, he salivates over it. He's, he's so interested. And <laughs> I'm trying to get him to come to TV in Massachusetts. And he might, he's, he's the biggest Tony Shivani fanboy there is. That'd be great. I feel like since the moment we've met, we've kind of been on the same page with everything. And you've been so welcoming. and. I appreciate what both of you have done. Thanks, buddy. 
Thanks for being with us. We've been talking to Pat Buck. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Buck Never Stops. And here's how you can listen to this podcast. You can listen to this podcast for free, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much every place where you get all of your podcasts. We have new episodes every Thursday. You can watch the video version and see Pat's amazing suit uh, Mondays on YouTube on TNT's YouTube channel. You can watch Dark on Tuesdays on YouTube. You can watch Elevation on Monday on YouTube. You can watch Dynamite on TBS on Wednesday. You can watch Rampage on TNT on Friday. I'm Aubrey Edwards. This is Tony Schiavone. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gonna turn it.